Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. It's Jen. How you doing, Jen? It's Allie. Doing super. So, um, did I tell you that Professor Ping died? Who's that? My snail. My first snail. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You told me that. We had to have a little front yard burial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so, sad. I know. But I think that the ram's horn that accidentally got into my tank has been killing the bladder snails, so I'm fine. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> and the assassins seem to be doing really well, so I guess that's the good part. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Now I know um, what you got going on today. Well... I want to start off by stating, so everybody knows, okay. that the story I have to tell today is disturbing. It could be traumatizing. The story contains really unsettling actions that are Graphic. shocking, Graphic unnerving, comments. yep, and Graphic. hard to hear. Yeah. You know, the facts of the murder it's a mother murdered by her teenage son there's sexual content in it there's it's just disgusting yeah so i'll go first you go second yeah and that way yeah. if people don't want to hear your horrible story they can just stop after me right and if they want to stop and google it oh, yeah. to just see if they want to it's the story is about the murder of Kimberly Hill and the murder. Her son is Kevin Davis. And it's actually in Corpus Christi, Texas, March 2014. In case they want to look it up. All right. But you get to go first. What do okay. you got for us? So I'll admit that um, I've been looking and. I looked back at our list to see if there was anybody that we could follow up on to finish out the story. You know, we started it, let's end it. And I accidentally grabbed one out of your column. Well, you know, yeah. I don't understand. I have noticed that I tend to do more cases that aren't finished. That are current. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. you doing that. No problem. Um, you talked about it episode 62 which came out like december i think it was december 6th of 2019 which was a woman now i struggle with her name because when i looked up how to pronounce it it gave me two pronunciations and it's spelled n-a-d-a and it was pronounced both nada and nada so i'm not sure i'm gonna go with nada though and also her daughter's name is a-y-a and it's like aya Aya. So I wasn't sure if her name is Aya or Aya. I'm going to I'm gonna try to do my best. So it starts with Nada's son, Mohammed, who is 16 years old. And he was accused of murdering her on August 21st, 2017. This is the part that you went over, and then I'll follow up on it. So Nada was found on the back porch of her home. Now, some of the background is she divorced her husband in 2016. Her husband was said to have been a traditional Muslim um, who had traditional Muslim beliefs, and he was physically abusive toward her. And he didn't like how she embraced American ways and how it was affecting their children. Nada's son, Mohammed, said that Muhammad said that he was a lot like his father. And Muhammad did not like how Nada embraced the American culture. 
When police first arrived on the scene, they believed that her death may have been accidental. They believed that she had fallen from the window onto from the third floor of their mansion. Oh, I remember this one. Do you? Okay. So after investigating further, they believed that Muhammad may have been involved after the autopsy confirmed that she was dead before falling from the window. So at this point, it's believed that her son suffocated her. This is in 2017. And then pushed her out the window. The trial for Muhammad was adjourned while his attorney took the issue of suppressing the video and the statements he made to the Michigan Court of Appeals because the judge in the case, you know, denies that request. So Muhammad is currently still being held in Oakland County Children's Village. That was what you had done originally in 2017 or 2019. No, 2017. No, you did it in 2019. Damn it, Ali. Stick to the script. So the update is of... Um, I read a news, a Detroit news article by Mike Martindale and then two from Susan Vila and Hometown Life. And so the follow-up is, in 2017, Dr. Basil Altentawi, who worked in Canton, Michigan, was found guilty of medical fraud. He was charged with four felonies regarding Medicare fraud. He was only sentenced to one day in jail, and he was required to pay fines. Now, his physician license was suspended, and he had a hard time finding work as a doctor after he was found guilty, right? A lot of people don't want you in their practice if you're guilty of fraud. So the year before, his wife had divorced him. They had three children, Muhammad, who was 16 in 2017, Aya, who was 14, and a younger daughter who was in elementary school. It was a contentious divorce, and Basil had been ordered out of the house be, um, after being accused of throwing Nada, Nada Nada down the stairs, so it said she said that you know he beat it, he beat me threw me down the stairs. Now there are other possible suspects. I do want to add in here that um, Basil had two young daughters with another woman outside of his marriage. I wasn't sure if they were both born after the divorce. At one time, Mohammed's defense team wanted to posit that that other woman could be a possible suspect, but and were complaining that the police did not pursue that. The defense also complained that she had um, an intimate relationship with a man who wasn't Basil after the mass, after the marriage and that they didn't look into him as a potential suspect. So according to Aya's testimony or Aya's testimony, Muhammad immediately sided with his father during the divorce with the two sisters growing closer to their mother. It caused the relationship between Muhammad and Nada to become severely strained. Muhammad believed that the divorce shouldn't stop his father from controlling the home or Muhammad himself controlling, you know, by proxy as a male controlling the home. Now, during the court testimony, it was brought out that Muhammad might have felt bolstered by, in his ideas by a local clergyman who was counseling both Basil and Muhammad. Now, Aya heard Muhammad threaten their mom and say that she was going to get what was coming to her. During this time, Basil broke court orders to only see his son during supervised visit, and often they would meet at a local strip mall. Basil had also stopped paying child support, utility, and medical bills, which he had been court ordered to pay. On August 21st, 2017, Aya woke up and checked her phone for her mom's morning text, but didn't find any. She started to look for her mom calling out for her, and she started to worry when she saw that her mom hadn't left for work and that the car was still in the garage. That's when Aya went and searched further for her mom, going into the guest room where she saw that the window was open. Aya saw her mom laying under the window on the patio, still in her pajamas. Mm. Muhammad, who normally bathes later in the day, had been taking a shower that morning while Aya searched for their mom. When Aya screamed at the sight of her mom, Muhammad came out of the bathroom. Aya took him outside and she dialed 911, giving the phone to Muhammad so he could speak to the dispatcher. The dispatcher led them through the CPR process. 
I then ran to the end of the driveway to flag down emergency medical services because it's kind of like a hidden driveway. And as officers arrived, so did Basil. And he took the family to a nearby restaurant to regroup. And while he was on the phone, I overheard um, the, him say that Nada was dead. So Basil was not being charged as he was held on an ankle monitor due to his fraud charges. So they knew where he was. He was on the monitor. The monitor indicates that he was not at the scene of the crime when Nada was murdered. However, phone logs show that the morning Muhammad murdered his, mo his mother, Basil had first called his son at 427 a.m. And over the next hour, they exchanged several phone calls. It's believed that the morning of Nada's murder, Muhammad smothered his mom with a cloth dosed in toxins. He surprised her while she was in her makeup room getting ready for the day. He smothered her with the cloth. Muhammad then drug her body to the window of the guest room and pushed her body out. He wanted to make it look like it was an accident. Muhammad's case was heard in the Oakland County Circuit Court. He had already been moved from the children's village to an adult jail, as Muhammad was now over 21 years old. And it took hours of deliberation before the jury found him guilty. And his sentencing is actually set for a later date. So we don't know what his sentencing is going to be, but he is guilty. What about the father? The father, they didn't get him for a conspiracy or anything like that. And they knew from the ankle monitor that he wasn't at the house when she was murdered. Hmm. Yeah. Who, who takes their family to a restaurant after they find out their mom is, is dead. dead to regroup. Yeah. Oh, his daughter has problems with him. And the fact that she finds out that her mom is dead by listening to him over the phone, it was devastating for her. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think I'd be going to a restaurant to regroup. Oh, yeah. The, the dad, you know, I believe, and this is just speculation and just me talking. Um, I believe that the dad talked the son up, talked him into it. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Sounds and like then, it. Who's yeah. calling? Who's calling a teenager at four a.m. and they're up? Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you know he's into something. Hmm. All right. So get get ready. You might want to turn your ears off. I already told you some of this story. Jesus Christ, it was horrific. Honestly, yeah. though, I did see some of his interview and the way he he talks <sighs> about his mom's murder. He is so fucking nonchalant and he like almost laughing. Right. Well, and I did uh, read an article that during his trial, he was like looking at the jury, smiling and stuff like he's. Yeah, it's messed up. It is messed up. So this is the, the murder of Kimberly Hill. And it happened in March of 2014 in Corpus Christi, Texas. Kimberly was a devoted mother and had been a Marine Corporal from 1982 to 1992. Prior to her passing, she had started a job as a hospice caregiver. Her, ho yeah. her hobbies were concerts, gardening, and skydiving, Ooh. which is cool. I always wanted to skydive. I'm afraid of heights. Yeah, same. I love her nuts. I love that she's got the balls to do that. Right. I've always wanted to do. Yeah. It is reported prior to Kimberly's death, her son, Kevin Davis, wanted to end his life. He had a conversation with her and oddly asked her for permission to end his own life. She 
she said she didn't want him to end his life, but she understood she had no control of his actions if he decided to do it. Okay. That same evening, Kevin would decide not to take his own life, but his mother's, and he would live out what seems to many seems to be many years of sick and twisted acts he thought about. I watched the interrogation of Kevin on YouTube channel Morbid Curiosity. Okay. During the in- interrogation, Kevin in- immediately admitted to killing his mother and then explained each thing he did to her in detail. He starts with talking about his conversation with her about asking permission to take his own life. He told police he wanted to end his life because he was bored of life, didn't like living and just didn't like people. Right. He said he molded over killing, killing molded, molded over about killing himself. And as he sat and wrote a suicide note And in his words, on a whim, he turned it over and just started to write out a plan on how to kill his mother and his sister. He admits to detectives that he was always been a bit of a pervert, as he, in his words, and has had fantasies of killing them. He will, yeah, he will go on to say the killing didn't go as planned. He started out with a video game controller cord. He came up behind her as she sat on the couch and tried to strangle her. This didn't work. And he said he went, you know, rushed into the bedroom and grabbed a hammer from his mom's room. Wow. Kimberly was still in the living room at the time when he hit her in the head with the hammer about 20 times Kimberly was still alive. And at this point, her skull has to be cracked. So she's still alive and he drags her into the bedroom. He then, I think the next thing he does, because he kind of jumps around and here in my notes, I jump around a bit. But he actually reached into her skull and put his hands around her brain. And at that point is when her life was ended. He then goes to say afterwards he lost his virginity. Okay, that's the part of the interview I saw. He's like, yeah, I lost my virginity to my mom. I I know, sounds crazy, but that's like him in the interview. Yeah, it's it's so disturbing. Yeah. Afterwards, he took a shower and got dressed. The officers asked him about his sister. He was talking about getting dressed because he's like, I had gunk on my on my junk, so I had to take a shower. Yeah. It was so gross. The officers asked him about his sister and he mentioned his plan, you know, that because he mentioned in his plan was to kill both of them. And he told officers he had decided not to do it because he had got hit his in his words, filling of killing. And he said it seemed to be, you know, a bit excessive to kill a sister. 
Okay. Well, honestly, I'm glad. <laughs> he, after he killed Kimberly, he wrote three notes. One, the first note placed in the living room addressed to his sister. And he talks about what he put in this note. Keep your, keep your head. Hurry. She might still be alive. And he said he already knew their mom was dead, but he wrote that anyways as just sick humor. Jesus Christ. Note number two was placed in in Kimberly's bedroom where she was and he wrote in this note chase me he explained to officers that at that point he was in a playful mood and wanted to see how far he would get before someone you know caught him what the third note I'm not sure about during the interrogation they touched on it but like no detail of what was in that note Okay. Then he talks about him running away and going to a house to use a phone. And then I found out that at the house where he stopped to use the telephone, this is where the cops are called. As he tells the couple at the house he stops at that he doesn't know what he's done. No shit. Yeah. He said he, in a way, felt sorry about, you know, what he did, but he wouldn't change it. And he's all real, just like our conversation here. You know, I just, you know, I'm not going to change it. And so the officers ask him about a knife they found in the bedroom. Now, they asked him about this knife at the beginning, and he said he didn't, you know, he didn't use a knife. But then after, you know... A period of time they ask him about the knife again because and they tell him there was blood on this knife but you didn't use the knife and then he like goes oh yeah like he just remembers and then he goes on in a story about how prior to taking her into the bedroom and this is why i know her skull had to have been cracked open was because he took the knife and tried to stir her brains Jesus Christ. He talks about how he dragged her to the bedroom and he goes, um, I don't really exert physical labor too much. So it was sloppy, you know, dragging her in there. So he did it a, a, any way he could from her shirt, a, all different ways. Oh, Jesus. He tells police he is sane, not mentally disturbed in any way. He knows what he did and what he did. And this is, this just got me. I mean, a lot of this is just fucked up, but this got me. He says, and what I did in the traditional sense was wrong. And I'm pretty sure any way you look at it, it's wrong. In all the senses, it's wrong. Yeah, so I'm not sure what he means by traditional sense. Yeah. He, he also tells the police if he gets the opportunity, he'll kill again. The police ask him if he would kill them. And he said, no, actually men aren't his thing. He also goes on to tell them that 
his ideal killing would be him in a nice suit, sneaking into a woman's house, disabling any men in, in the house. He would then dress the woman up in a dress he would bring. Okay. He's kill, about this. Right. Kill her with something sharp and large. This this is where it's gonna get you. He would then decapitate the woman. And then after she's dead, stitch the head back on. What have sex with her and then burn everything and run. What he really thought about it. You would tell he wants like to cut it, her head off and put it back on? Yeah, he's gonna cut her head off to kill her and then stitch it back on. He really wants to make sure the women are dead before he has sex with them. He stirred right. his mom's brain up. Yeah, he wants to and cut her head off up. to verify that she's absolutely dead. Like her being dead is really part of his fantasy. Right. And in October twenty fourteen he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. Now, I'm not sure because I didn't get a chance to look. I thought Texas had the damn death penalty. Because, you know, I'm on the fence with the death penalty. I think there's certain things mm-hmm. that you just you deserve to, like, be kneeling and a firing squad fire at your ass. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like this dude straight up deserves the death penalty. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, that's They're how I feel. Him, right? He just, all, every article I read all said he got life in prison. Oh. Not the death penalty. And I thought wow. Texas was the death penalty state. Me too. I'm shocked that they didn't kill him. But I'm just saying, like, what the hell is yeah. wrong with you? Yeah, if there was someone that should be killed, it's probably that guy. Yeah, that was some disturbing shit. Dang. Like, we thought people in Michigan did some shit. I know, right? I mean, I have to say, when I'm like, you know, there's been other stories I haven't done. And I am doing this one because one of our listeners sent it. But I thought to myself, man... I chose not to do some of these other ones because I thought they were bad. Like I got into it and I'm like, I can't even no, I can't tell people this. And then I'm thinking, this tops any story I've ever done of yeah. just totally gross. Unnerving and just unnerving is a good you, word. You gotta be shitting me that this is not that this is real that and not a story. Another, yeah, that another person actually did this. Right. And it, yeah. And just watching that, I mean, it was just how he was like, he's sane. He's not mentally ill. And, you know, yeah, you know, he did go on about how she was a great mother. She's a very good mother. Jesus Christ. Oh, shit. Yeah. You're going to do that to somebody that was a good mother to you? (laughs) That that's what, what you're doing to her. Jesus Christ. I know, right? I um, if it makes you feel better, I'm gonna do for my next one, the dead files, two dead file episodes that take place in Michigan. And you want to know what I think? 
My very favorite part of the show is when they do the history. I could care less about the spooky stuff. I love it when they talk to a historian at the end of every episode. Yeah. I don't believe in that ghost shit. Yeah. So, So what they do is, the way the show is set up is they have a former detective Steve show up and he does all his little detecting. And then this woman Amy shows up and she does her psychic shit. And then they get together at the end and talk about what they found. Well, Steve always goes to see a historian and I just eat that shit up, man. Yeah. See, that would be the part of the show I'd watch. Yeah. That is my very favorite part of every show is the, when he talks to the historian. So I'm going to do that one next. Well, next time we record, that would be one full week of the Wagner George Wagner's trial for the Roden family murder. I know I keep talking about it. It's your thing. But I want this guy to go down. <laughs> so like, bad, yeah. I want to watch this. I am invested in this. Like this poor, I mean, poor family. And I want, I would rather, and I don't know because, you know, I've never been a family, had a family member murdered. But I look at it like you should just, I would rather, if I was in a situation, I think I would rather them plead guilty. Because then to like relive it, although trials bring out things and and you find things out, but I want the, these two people to go down. Yeah, like, one, go to one, jail, get it over with. For God's sakes, it's been how many years? Six, nine, six. Yeah, something like that. Well, do you want to know what the worst thing is? If they, when they go to jail and it comes time for them to be paroled, you have to live through it all over again and talk to the, the parole board about what happened. So, if you get any type, when does parole start? So, if somebody got like his mother got. 30 years, I think, I said. Yeah. Does she get paroled or she gets released after 30? Like, when does parole, does parole always happen? You serve a year and you're on parole? No, so it all depends. You have to go in front of a parole board. Sometimes. No matter what? To get paroled, yeah, you have to be seen by the parole board. Right. And so it depends on how you were sentenced. So sometimes, like that guy got 20 to 40. He can't be paroled before 20. At 20 years, he can start going to the parole board and asking to be released. And so, you know how we get, you know, if they say you have life in jail, that's actually 10 years. There's people that get out in seven, seven for good behavior. If, at seven years, they start, you know, going to the parole board like, hey, I've got good, you know, I've taken these classes. I've never been in trouble. You should probably release me. So unless remember, we've talked about sentencing, I think one time before, unless the judge specifically specifically says the amount of time, um, it can be variable. Right. And we did, you know, yeah, we talked about that life in prison and yeah. what it really actually means. But I think where I'm at now, now with like sen- understanding sentencing is if you get th- her, the mother got 30 years. Well, how did the judge so say to it? Did he say 30 years to life or did he say 30 years before? The 30 possible? years. I don't know. Maybe there was, maybe there was parole, but I'm wondering if you get sentenced to 30 years, that's the max. You got to serve that. If 
you automatically just get out and you don't have parole. I'm gonna have to look this up. No, you don't just get out of jail. Often you you get put on parole. I don't know if they're you're just released because parole is often a condition of your release. Yeah, but I think it's all it all depends when they sentence you and what the um, parole board says when you leave. And see, I think this is gonna be an interesting one. Put on my list to investigate. Do it. I suggest you do. All right. See you next time. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.